Hey, hang on the line, guys, because Ed Sadler's uh, fascinated with this discussion about varying sizes of bitches and dogs, but there's more important things at foot in the Racing.com office, including uh, reflecting on the Jamie Carr inquiry. How are you, Ed? I'm going well, thanks, Matt. I have to say, I did get excited when you mentioned a $100,000 voucher to a beer. The old man and I would have had a lot of fun with that. You could spend it there too. Oh, yeah, your old man would go crazy there with 100k. Apologies for anyone who got overly excited thinking they were going to take 100 grand of Ribera's. Um, Jamie Carr inquiry, there was lots of accusations and uh, from, the, from the prosecution and the defence. And uh, I think what I took out of yesterday's inquiry was what's the fine line between an infringement of the rules or a bringing the sport into disrepute and an invasion of privacy? And this is what Jamie Carr's uh, representative, Matthew Sterling, was trying to present, was she didn't know she was being taped. It was in the privacy of her own home. She wasn't competing. Uh, so, therefore, how culpable is Jamie Carr? And it's now up to the three-person panel to make that determination. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and the VRT panel... They've said they'll need some time to process the closing submissions and a decision will be handed down at a later date. So it's certainly a watch this space scenario and um, a developing story. And yes, we'll, we'll follow it closely, of course, because it is such a big story, Matt. But you mentioned the points from Jamie Carr's legal team on the other side of the fence. You've had the council representing Racing Victoria saying that Jamie Carr should have known that her actions were being filmed when she was captured on video um, and the barrister for Racing Victoria, Damien Hannon, saying that the fact that she hasn't failed a drug test is irrelevant in relation to her charge of conduct prejudicial to the image of racing. Uh, he's also said that Ruby McIntyre could have known better given how important Jamie Carr's reputation is and how it's linked to the image of racing. Ruby McIntyre was there to represent herself and um, she said the entire ordeal was a big mistake. So that's what came out yesterday. We'll follow it closely and see what happens when a decision is made and what penalties, if any, come up from that. But uh, it was certainly a very interesting day as far as the inquiry for the Jamie Card charges were concerned yesterday, Matt. And I know it's easy to perceive um, Ruby McIntyre as kind of, in inverted commas, the villain of the story because she got the ball rolling and on set it. But what a terrible situation she's found herself in too. She went out for a social night to Jamie Carr's, did something stupid, and now she's hauled before a, a major inquiry, uh, which is being heavily reported in the mainstream media. Like, I, I actually feel a bit for everyone in this, including Ruby McIntyre. Yeah, exactly. And um, no-one would want to be where they are, certainly, Matt. So, um, yes, um, you can understand that this has been pretty tough for her and she's spoken about how she's felt overwhelmed by it all and you can completely understand all of that. Absolutely. Uh, gee, I thought it was Groundhog Day yesterday when the jockeys were walking the track at Ararat and I thought, oh, gee, we really are... Uh, we do have a big issue here, and we still do, even though the meeting went ahead. We're going to have a chat to Matt Hyland, the head of the Jockeys Association, a bit later on this program to just sort of discuss loosely. Um, you know, I'm curious to know if the expectation level has increased from from the jockey group about what, what sort of surface they're prepared to race on. So there's a lot to discuss there. But I think we're getting towards uh, having to find some remedies here, and the ATA um, is calling for some discussions about... A myriad of aspects to the track situation? Yeah, you've obviously mentioned you're going to talk to Matt Highland, and I know that Matt Welsh from Racing Victoria has been on the channel to discuss this. It's an ongoing problem as well. And 
I would have taken a dollar oh one that Ararat was going to be abandoned when I saw the, the jockeys um, walking the track with the stewards yesterday, Matt, but that just shows you how I've been going on the punt lately. And so, yes, the Australian Trainers Association, they want to meet with racing Victoria officials to discuss ways of potentially improving the present system of assessing track conditions. And we've obviously had a number of abandonments recently. Coolmore on Sunday for their cup meeting being the most recent, but Tatura, the Yay Picnics, uh, which approved they've all had abandonments recently. The Australian Trainers Association, uh, Association saying that as an industry, we do need to continue to work together going forward to reduce these scenarios. We may even discuss having a track walker scenario, something that I know we've had in the past. I think that finished up in around 2018. Uh, from Racing Victoria's point of view, Matt Welsh has mentioned that the track and maintenance team from RV were out there yesterday at Kilmore to inspect the track and each of these abandonments is treated as an isolated incident but in saying that um, there's been a few isolated incidents in a relatively short amount of time recently. Yeah, I agree with the way you described that. I mean, I totally understand what Matt Welsh is saying. I mean, you have to treat them all individually but if there's a flowing theme you can't ignore that either and keep and keep saying they're individual situations it it kind of stymies your ability to see it as a a a bigger problem uh, uh and matt highlands is going to join us after 10 to discuss that as well uh, a lot of these um abandonments i think the major reason for concern is through uh they've been abandoned through non-obvious weather scenarios like the most of them haven't been a consequence of you know, really, really heavy rain and they had no choice. So I think that's the reason why there's concern is because these are in good times, not in bad times, that these meetings are, are getting pushed to the side. Uh, poor old Patrick Maloney's on the sidelines still? Yeah, that's right. He's hoping to come back at the end of January. Um, it's more an issue with his hand, Matt. So he fractured at the Cranbourne trials in a fall last month. He fractured his collarbone. And he also, in his words, smashed up his right hand. And the collarbone side of things is okay. So it was just a collarbone injury saying he's pretty much be back riding at the moment. But he broke his hand in six places. He's got to go in for more surgery. That'll take place in about a week on the 6th of December, to be exact. He's hoping to be back at the end of January. And he's played his cards well, though, Matt, because his wife is a nurse. So in these sort of times, he's guaranteed to be getting the best of care. My dad was a doctor and my mum was a nurse. Try getting a day off school when I was a kid when you said you were sick. They just, they'd look at you and go, no, you're not. Uh, Daniel Moore, uh, Zipping Classic, Miramasa. Yeah, um, how well is this horse going? Three from three, this preparation. A really good winner of the Queen Elizabeth last time out. I spoke to Daniel um, yesterday, the Cranbourne jump out. And he spoke about how impressed he was with the tenacity for the horse show that day at Flemington being such a big day too. Uh, his will to win. He's still a pretty lightly raised horse. He's still got a few things to improve upon, but he's come back from those two operations. He had a, a wind operation. He's also being gelded. He's unbeaten. He heads to the Zipping Classic at Caulfield on Saturday as the joint favourite for the race together with Val and Declare. Obviously won the race last year. Also spoke to him about Jigsaw and there was confidence when Daniel spoke about Miramasa, but he said that Jigsaw, I know you've spoken as well, Matt, to Cindy Alderson in recent times, but he just feels the horses in the wilderness a little bit. It probably hasn't helped the last few days. And he was scratched from the Apache Cat on Saturday at Cranbourne due to the weather conditions, uncertainty around them, the 
soft track condition, and then he jumped out yesterday, and it was still a soft track on the training track, that main turf training track at Cranbourne. So hasn't been an ideal preparation. He'll run on the Dubson on Saturday. They're just hoping that he gets a good track. But um, first up, I think they were pleased enough with the performance. Second up, even though he was up against Imperatrice, they were disappointed with that effort. So we'll see what we get from Jigsaw um, and albeit on a good track, hopefully, come this weekend on Saturday. Because um, from talking to Daniel, the jury's out on him a little bit just how well he's going this time around. Yeah, Deny Knowledge is going around the zipping as well. She's an interesting runner. Uh, Stokesy, has he found the key to Ahmad? He's hoping so. The blindfold might be the key to this horse. Um, he won the Geelong Cup two starts ago in that thrilling finish. He didn't run in the Melbourne Cup. He ran in the Queen Elizabeth behind Muramasa. And if you go back and have a look at the replay, it was a huge performance. He bombed the start by four lengths. He was then held up early on in the straight. He got to the line really well to... Finish where he did that day. Um, he's a horse who's had a lot of injuries. He's a 10-year-old, so he's still going really well. Stokes, he's done a great job with the horse. But as far as those barrier issues are concerned, he's had a, a touch of the sulcums, I guess you could say. Um, he's been back to the jump at, at Packenham. Stokes, he put a blindfold on the horse, and um, that meant that he was able to jump with the field rather than let them jump, and then he followed. So hopefully that can help when he lines up in the Zipping Classic, Zach Spain is booked to ride him. Just having a look at the early market to know we've got barrier draws and all of those sort of things still to come, Matty. But um, I thought $11 that was around at the moment represented a bit of value for a mate, I have to say. Yeah, and I think you've stumbled across a new um, turn of phrase too. You know, if one misses the start from, for the next 100 years, he's, he's done a sulcum. Yes. Yes, forget Chautauqua. He's done a Sulkin could be the next one. No, well, Chautauqua just refused to budge full stop, so that's a Chautauqua. <laughs> and then if they eventually get out, it's a Sulkin. Yeah, hey, that could be Ed, part of Good on you, mate. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've got a, a growing list of them. So, hey, good on you, mate. Thanks for your time, as always. Thanks, Matty. Always a pleasure having a chat with you.